Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Samir Kumar joined with Matt Drexler for yet another episode of the Scary Hours Podcast. Drex, how you doing today, man? Good, Samir. How how you been? It's been uh, quite the off season so far. I feel like. Yeah, man. It's just been, you know. It's been pretty cool, you know, seeing Kevin Durant get that max extension, you know, bringing in Patty Mills. Obviously, losing Jeff Green was a little bit of a sting, but, uh, you know, I'm happy for Jeff Green at the same time getting his payday. But um, I can't continue going on without introducing our special guest today. We got Will Hanley on our show. And if you guys aren't familiar with the name, he needs no real introduction. He runs the Nets as depicted by SpongeBob account on, on Twitter. Twitter. So, so. Um, you're finally getting to, you know, hear more from him. He hasn't um, been on our podcast yet, but I've been, you know, in love with this content, you know, from the minute he created the account, you know, obviously being a SpongeBob fan as a kid and a Nets fan, I never thought both worlds would collide just like that. But uh, thanks to Will Hanley's um, brilliant mind that came to fruition. Will, welcome to the show, my man. Thank you. Thank you, Samir. Thank you, Matt, for having me on, man. The Scary Hours Pod, man, is big time. You know, I, I appreciate all the love and support you both have given me, you know, throughout this sort of crazy journeys, you know, for the Nets and for Nets Twitter as a whole. So I'm happy to finally be able to chop it up with you guys. Absolutely. You know, and Will, we want to hear more from you. Like, obviously, Kyrie Irving coming to Brooklyn probably had a big role in you creating this account. But what was the main inspiration for you to kind of create the account yeah you know it, it's funny it, so it started off on my personal account which doesn't even like exist anymore um but i did the office and basically the whole idea of it was just you know wouldn't it be kind of funny to you know you always get these overreactions out of people would it be funny to kind of like chart that throughout a season so you can kind of look back you know in march and be like oh you know what were we worried about what were the talking points what were we overreacting to back in November. And so I thought, all right, you know, that's funny, but how do I make that entertaining? Like, how do I make that something that people want to, you know, uh, you know, interact with. And so I decided to do the office and basically the whole thing was very similar to SpongeBob. It was just, you know, a clip from the office after every game, just giving your immediate reaction, how's everybody feeling. Uh, and then, you know, by the end you had this long thread where you could go back and just sort of relive the season through that. Uh, so that, you know, it was semi-successful, but, you know, I think my personal account, it was sort of hard to find on top of all the other BS that I was retweeting and tweeting. And then, uh, you know, then my account would go private sometimes, depending on what was going on. So then I was like, all right, I got to make this its own account. And so I decided, all right, am I going to stick with the office or am I going to go with something else? And I decided to go with SpongeBob just because I figured there was more content out there. And, you know, the rest, the rest has been history. Yeah, I'm, I certainly myself am a, a much bigger SpongeBob fan than I am The Office. I never really got into that show. I don't know why. I, I watched the first few I'm episodes with you. and I was like, you know, it doesn't do it for me. But SpongeBob, I mean, you can't. It's Internet gold. It's a meme for everything. Yeah, SpongeBob's universal. Yeah, I absolutely, I personally, I do love The Office, but I agree 100%. You know, when I decided, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm actually going to dedicate you know, instead of just one, a couple of tweets every week, I'm going to actually dedicate my time to this. I got to make it something everybody's going to love. It was between, you know, it was, I think SpongeBob and, you know, like you said, The Office. And I was like, what's something that I feel like universally everybody from all different backgrounds and walks of life loves? And I feel like the answer is SpongeBob. 
everybody loves SpongeBob from all different age ranges. Like you'll catch me being 40 or 50 years old one day. I will still laugh my ass off at some of these SpongeBob <laughs> scenes, especially some of the adult humor in this show. Like, man, like I'll tell you this as well. I could have used this account as a kid because as a kid, whenever I saw the Nets lose, it was like over for me. I'd go into school the next day, all depressed, you know, being like my Nets lost, you know, and my whole day would be thrown off because of that, because I was just so emotionally invested in the team. So you wouldn't want to be a freshman year of high school. Me when the Nets only won 12 games, that was very much a dark period for Nets fans. But um, speaking on those terms, like obviously, you know, I'm looking at your Twitter account right now, you know, obviously I follow along all season long, but obviously have this up right now. The first couple of games, you know, very easy content, you know, to come up with on the spot. You know, Kevin's back for game one against the Warriors. Like, we were all, you know, spirits are high. Kevin Durant's coming back. You know, he just uh, crushed his former team. So, Nets World was all up, you know. We were all hyped because of that. That was perfect. And then game two, you followed that up. You know, game two this year just so happened to be on Christmas. So, you followed it up with that Um Christmas scene where they're all singing Christmas carols or whatever. Like, man, that was just great timing as well. But then game three, like, who, like, if it wasn't for your Twitter account, man, I would have hated the fact that we <laughs> lost to the Charlotte Hornets, man. Like, oh, man, like, why do we lose to the Charlotte Hornets? That is the game Terry Rozier had that posterizing slam on Kevin Durant. Oh, man, but <laughs> he had the that butterfly you know where it just took over bikini bottom that entire episode you picked that scene out so perfectly <laughs> game three versus hornets you had that scene where the butterfly was on spongebob's helmet because they're in sandy's uh treehouse or whatever and um you know then like you had Lamelo ball appear on the butterfly man that was just perfectly executed right there thank you thank you yeah you know it's uh you know, talking about getting these clips, you know, the first clip of the season, which was, you know, Kevin's back, that was a clip that I was saving, you know, for almost two years, you know, as soon as we signed Kevin Durant, I was like, all right, no matter when he comes back, you know, we thought originally maybe it would have been in the playoffs and then COVID happened. And then the season got pushed into the bubble. And and I remember the talks, everybody was like, all right, well, this is just more time for Kevin Durant to come back for, uh, you know, for the, uh, the playoffs. And so I was like, all right, well, whenever that does happen, I'm going to use that tweet. So it ended up being, you know, the first game of the season. So that one was a given. And then Christmas is always easy, you know, just like Christmas this season, that's going to be a given for me. I'm just going to have to find a clip from that episode. Just not just basically got to find out whether it's going to be a happy clip or a sad clip if they win or they lose. And then other than that, you know, it's just really, you know, I look at the teams that we're playing, you know, is there any reference like the Hornets? So the first thing I think of, you know, bugs and, you know, wormy and the butterfly, that whole episode, (laughs) Uh, the Grizzlies are always, you know, the sea bear or, you know, something like that, really just something to connect it to. Uh, but then, you know, then other times it's like, you know, maybe if something distinct happens in a game, you know, something like that, you know, I have to look and see. So, you know, sometimes it's, you know, it's very easy, you know, especially in the beginning of the season, because you have sort of, you know, all of SpongeBob to work with. But once you get towards the end, once you get to games, you know, 75 or, you know, 68, I'm like scrolling through YouTube or scrolling through, you know, Google images. And I'm like, there's got to be something that I haven't used yet. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, especially even now, like even going into next year, 
you know, you can bring back some of the same certain ones, but it just kind of gets more challenging, right? Just because you don't want to be doing the same thing over and over again. But like you said, like SpongeBob just has so much, like you just, it just brings out the more creativity I feel like. And, and I mean, the Nets being the marquee team that they are, it helps rather than just a random like Grizzlies team or whatever the case may be. But I mean, it is, it is gonna, you know, going to be interesting to see how it plays out, but I feel like you haven't disappointed. Like, like I said, all of Nets Twitter just loves uh, seeing what you have coming out next for each game, but it's going to be, you know, like I said, it's kind of gets, gets more interesting and interesting as time goes on. So I think from our perspective, we're looking forward to it, right? Just because you're going to be somebody that's so creative that, you're not going to, you're not going to slow down and you're not going to disappoint. It's going to be interesting to see what you come up with as next year and the years goes on after that. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. You know, I'll tell you what, there was this sort of narrative that got started in the middle of last season where they're like, Oh, Nets depiction never repeats, you know, videos. He never uses the same video twice. And then I was sitting there and I was like, I have, I'm like, this is on season three of this. I have definitely used the same video twice. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know what you guys are talking about, but that is absolutely not true. But you're hundred percent correct, Matt. You know, I try not to, I've used the same video clips twice, but I try for it not to be the same joke twice, you know, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. Listen, you know, I saved a lot of stuff for the playoffs, which might've been, you know, a mistake just because I was like, you know, I don't want to use, you know, some of the marquee iconic scenes from SpongeBob in a meaningless, you know, game on a Tuesday in February. You know, I want to save it for, you know, Eastern Conference Finals game seven or something like that. Um, I will say that I do have, if we do win the NBA finals, I do have the video uh, ready to go. I don't have it. I have to create it. I don't have it created yet, but I do, uh, I do know what it's going to be. Uh, and so I'm saving that for uh, if we win and I can promise you guys, you know, uh, people have asked me, you know, what is it going to be if we win? Is it going to be sweet victory? Is it going to be, you know, what is it going to be? And I, I can promise you this, you know, I don't want to put any added pressure on myself, but I really think that's going to be something that people don't expect. And hopefully that, you know, everybody appreciates. I mean, also going off your point where you save some of the best content, but at the same time you come up with content on the spot for like some of these meaningless regular season games, this still hits at the right time. Like I'm looking at obviously some of the other games, like as we kind of got deeper into the year, you know, game 11 against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Like we should have freaking won that game. Like there's no reason why we should have lost, but and that was the Al Horford game. But um, you know, where you just decide to turn back the clock, but you have the perfect clip for that. Yeah, like when SpongeBob and Patrick were rushing through that perfume store or whatever, like when <laughs> they had that wishes episode, like that's what it felt like. Like, you know, we were just getting bullied in the post by Al Hor for that entire game, and like, you know, there was just no answer for that. So that was basically like uh the perfume store right there. But then like as the um games go on from that point in time like i remember game 12 in particular against uh denver that day like um nets world was just all up in shambles at that point because that was when Kyrie took his absence and like stuff was coming out about that and um you know you know so obviously that created a distraction as it was and then like you know 
Kevin Durant, I think, um, was the only like liable guy at that point in time because Karis Levert, I think, you know, was going through a little bit of a struggle at that point. He was still very much on the team, but um, case in point, the James Harden rumors were largely like um, dead at that point. They weren't um, at full life at that point because they came out in like November. Then I think they leaked a little bit into December. Then it just went away until like um, during the middle of Kyrie's uh, absence in January. And then all of a sudden, like James Harden just said, the press conference um, that his time in Houston is basically over. He said that the situation can't be fixed. But anyway, um, just to give that time uh, situation a little bit of context for the listeners. It seems so far away. Yeah, exactly. Like that game 12, though, I just remember thinking like, well, there's no freaking way we're beating Denver tonight. Like they have Jokic, like there's just no way. But then Kevin Durant just has a game for the ages. And literally you picked the most fitting uh, clip for that as well. This came from the same episode with the butterfly. You know, we did it, Patrick. We saved the day. That's literally what it felt like because it was so hopeless at that point. I thought the Nets were over because they were saying that Kyrie is never going to play a game in a Nets uniform again, and James Harden was nowhere to be seen. Yeah, no, definitely. And I feel like that's the cool part about this thread because it's such like a unique snapshot of like what everybody was feeling because you look at that and then you look at the, the game later when we played the Knicks, and that was when we only had like eight guys because half of them were on their way to Houston for the Harden trade. So you're, you're 100% correct, and that's why I feel like is a really cool thing why I really wanted to do this because you can go back and you look about, you know, what was life like? What was the mentality at that point? And you're right. I remember that game versus Denver. I remember I was happy that we won, but I was like, we have such bigger, you know, like fish to fry because is Kyrie going to retire? You know, what, is, what does this mean for KD? Because I feel like I remember sitting there being like, I feel like the only reason KD came to Brooklyn was to play with Kyrie. Now, if Kyrie's not playing, then – you know, is KD going to be like, all right, I want to go somewhere else now. You know, I wasn't in love with, you know, the fit with Karis LeVert and, you know, everybody else and Jared Allen. So, you know, but it, it all ended up working itself out. And I feel like we got, you know, the best case scenario in a lot of ways from that. But no, you're right. I, I definitely do remember that Denver game. I remember just sitting there feeling like what is going on with this team? Like this team isn't as good as we thought we were going to be. Uh, you know, we thought we were going to be stacked, like our bench was going to come in and be better than most people's starting lineups. It was basically going to be, you know, the 2018-19 Nets plus Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And, you know, it ended up not being that. And, you know, changes had to be made, moves had to be made. And, you know, ultimately, I think it all worked itself out. Now, I have a theory. Like, we know how much, especially KD uses Twitter and, like, Kyrie's on Instagram from time to time. He's just started using Twitter again. But that like, especially Durant, he's seen the account before. Have he you must he must have? Have, oh, has yeah. he ever like liked a tweet or responded or anything like that? No. So Katie, um, no, Katie hasn't really shown me any love. You know, it's funny. I've tried to get him. You know, I've sort of like baited him into responding like a couple of times. Like I'm not, you know, what I mean, I'm not trying to be a jackass, right? Like there are people out there who like, you know, just go at these players just to get a response. And I feel like, <laughs> I feel like that's like what you have to do to get a response from KD. Like there'll be like 50 replies of people like, yo, KD, like, I love you. Like, you mean a lot, bro. Like, you know, I, you know, I was homeless for three years and I used your Jersey as a blanket, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Then there's one guy that's like, yo, you're soft <laughs> for leaving golden state. And then that's the guy who's was like, Oh really? Like, let's explore that a little bit. <laughs> so, um, so, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to become that guy that's just trying to bait him because I feel like, 
you know, I try to be very pro nets on nets depiction. Like I try to keep it very light, you know, like I really <laughs> won't go after players if they're having a bad game or, you know, like when Joe Harris, you know, stunk it up in that buck series, you know, I really didn't say anything negative about Joe on the account just because I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm like a SpongeBob meme account. So it would be weird for me to kind of go at guys. Um, but to answer your question, you know, the people that used to be the most interactive with the Chioza, anytime I ever included Chioza in something, he always liked it. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie, whatever I included highlights of Spencer Dinwiddie, he liked it. It was only ever highlights. It's and weird. Then, I feel like Spencer is just like, if you do stats or highlights, like you said, he'll be one to like amplify that just because he wants to spread the word of like, you know, where, you know, he, I feel like he wants people to realize where he's gotten to like his game at that point, especially when his free agency was coming up. No, definitely. They, you know, that one highlight, it was almost like, you know, I, I think I tweeted out that, that highlight of him hitting that game winner against the Lakers right before COVID. Um, I probably tweeted out 12 times because every time I tweeted that out, he liked it. I just kept on just changing out the caption, but I was bored and I wanted to see like Spencer Dinwiddie in like my notifications. So I would just find like a reason to tweet that out and he would always like it. <laughs> and then, uh, and then the person who liked the most stuff ended up being after he left was Jared Allen. After Jared Allen got traded to Cleveland, then he would, you know, like stuff and, you know, whatever reply sometimes to people who were like in my mentions and stuff, but that was only until after he left. But the coolest thing came from in one of um, in like the Nets, like mini series when they do like the bridge, you guys know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yeah. Uh, they did. I mean, you know, listen, I, I once I'm on one side of the fence where every time someone from like, you know, Nets Twitter and the Nets world makes like a SpongeBob reference, people are automatically like, Oh, like, you know, this, you're just shouting out Nets depiction. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm like, I don't know about that. Like SpongeBob is a universally beloved show. Like I don't own SpongeBob memes, you know, like someone should be allowed to make like a SpongeBob joke and then not be like, Oh, like, you know, you're just getting that from that depiction. Like, you know, like, I don't know about that. Um, but they did do uh, a thing last season, or I should say two seasons ago now when, uh, when they were coming back from COVID and, you know, they're getting ready to go into the bubble and they did like a thing where they were like practicing and stuff. And then like, they did like the time card where it was like many weeks later, you know, like that iconic SpongeBob thing. And a lot of people were like, Oh, that's them. Like, you know, that's a slight nod to you. And I was like, maybe, you know, I would like to think so, but you know, I don't know, you know, I don't want to, I don't have that big enough of an ego to think that, you know, every SpongeBob reference (laughs) that the nets make, you know, is to me, but if it is, then that to me has been the coolest thing so far. I mean, it might as well be, though, because even me being a big big Spongebob fan growing up didn't think of this idea to combine two worlds into one. Like, I was just like, I was separating the two. But um, when you mentioned that uh, you created content during the pandemic, one piece of content from you that I will always remember is when the bubble nets are going on their run and um, when I was like hyping people up I was convincing people that oh these bubble nets they're gonna make a run like they're gonna Mm -hmm. beat the raptors in the first (laughs) round like they're gonna they're gonna surprise people and then I remember like um one of my friends saying that um shout out Derek Hempstead you know Oswego guy big Spongebob fan but he's a Heat fan so Mm. only half of him is good (laughs) all kidding aside I remember he was like telling me that um 
the Nets are going to get swept by the Raptors. And I'm just like, nah, Jamal Crawford's going to turn back the clock. He's like, oh, yeah, with what proof? And I shared your your gif of, like, old man Jenkins being uh, <laughs> Jamal Crawford and, like, coming in. is like, oh, these city folks, something like that. But he just came in, in hot, like, on a cannonball. Like, stuff like that just, just proves that uh, your account just never misses. <laughs> well, that to me, I feel like, you know, and I do appreciate that, you know, but that to me is like the coolest thing. Like when people tell me like, oh, like, you know, I saw your tweet or like, you know, like I saw or, you know, I, I shared this tweet or, or whatever, or like, you know, oh, this tweet came up in conversation like that to me is still like it's still strange just because like I remember making that Jamal Crawford video and I was probably just, you know, like. It's like laying on my bed one day, like bored, just like, oh, I have this funny idea, you know, and then just making it on my phone. So the fact that, you know, it's like coming up in conversation, like people are sharing it. It's still like, it's still crazy to me. And it's very, you know, it's just very, just cool to see, you know, I, I, I don't know how else to describe it. I, I never thought when I made the account, I never really thought, you know, I was happy when I would get like, you know, 10 likes and two retweets on a tweet. So I never, I never thought it would reach the point where it is. Nah, you're getting much more than two retweets and 10 likes, my man. Like, you put in the work to, like, uh, create content that is, um, you know, obviously uh, very funny in Nets world. Like, even when we lose, like, during that losing stretch, you always had, like, the perfect uh, gifts or videos to share. But, like, when things started getting better again, like, when the Nets were starting to win some of these bigger games, like, I just remember that big win against the Clippers when the Nets like at home like when Kyrie like just started to finally come on again and shut down the narrative that he should retire and stuff like that I just remember riding an extreme high and then you shared that video of Spongebob um having a disco at his home like when he's uh you know <laughs> dancing that goes to the I'm trying to do the best imitation with the jellyfish right yeah yes like that was perfect, but then I just remember the Nets were, weren't quite out of the woods at that point yet. They took a home loss to the Raptors as the game of Kevin Durant um, got subbed in because of, you know initially he was um, sidelined due to COVID protocols, but somehow he got cleared, but then he had to get taken out of the game. That game was a shit show, and then you had the perfect uh, video to illustrate that as well, where Patrick's just going off at like this fair on Valentine's Day because you know nobody was giving him a gift, so that's how Nets fans were feeling like nothing was going our way, so um, we were throwing a fit internally. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I feel like uh, I remember that too. I remember, uh, I remember posting the jellyfish jam one for the Clippers, I remember that one being a complete. Like, I don't want to say overreaction, but like, because that's how I was feeling in the moment. But I was like, that was one where I was like, oh, should I save this for like the playoffs? You know, uh, so and that that was one of the other ones like we, we were talking about before where, you know, that but that's where it felt like in the moment. You know, it felt like when we beat the Clippers and exactly what you said, you know, Kyrie was really coming into his own. Uh, you were like, all right, like, you know, this is it where I was just going to cruise the rest of the season. And then, like you said, that was not it was a roller coaster. I also feel like now that Durant is here and Harden will probably be here and Kyrie, like Sean Marks said, he's confident in extensions for those guys. The time is coming when one of them, you know, makes, makes something, likes a tweet or retweets something or, or calls out the account on Twitter. I'm waiting for that moment because I know everybody watching it will just 
all come together and then be like, it finally happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, we got um, I'm trying to remember, you know, I, I think uh, if it's going to be anybody, I don't think it's going to be Kyrie. You know, I, I just don't see that there, even I though agree. he has the SpongeBob shoes. So, you know, I don't know if that was a marketing thing or I don't know if, you know, Kyrie likes SpongeBob. I, I don't know. Um, but I just don't think Kyrie's that kind of person. KD, I feel like if it was going to be KD, it would have happened by now. I think I think a sneaky candidate is, I think, Harden. Harden is very active on Twitter. You know, he's just tweeting today about his softball game with Travis Scott. And I feel like, unlike KD, he's very light, I feel like, on social media. You know, it's always just about him partying or, like, you know, watches that he's buying. Like, you know, it's never really, like, you know, this this crusade that Katie goes on, you know, about or, you know, gets into it with Kendrick Perkins and all this stuff. So I, I think it could possibly, you know, be Harden. I don't know. I know I have this, like, running joke or it's become, like, a running joke where, like, nobody answers me. Where, like, I ask them, like, what's, you know, who's your favorite SpongeBob character? What's your favorite episode? And uh, everybody likes when I tweet that and nobody responds. And everybody posts the pictures of, like, people, like, talking to walls or, like, you know, people not getting – any answers back we did get we got one answer back uh from cam thomas somebody asked him on reddit and i think cam thomas i don't even remember what he said i think cam thomas said that his favorite character was was squidward i think um but so he's the only answer that we've gotten you know nobody else have not gotten a response from everybody i remember when shamit was traded here i was looking and apparently Shamit is like a big SpongeBob guy. Uh, like it came out during like the draft. Like he loves SpongeBob and stuff. Like he still watches SpongeBob. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be my in. Like this is going to be the guy that, you know, is like big on the account or whatever. You know, whatever. We do some fun stuff with this. And, you know, Shamit never really doesn't really use social media like that. So that was, uh, you know, disappointing to see. Now he's not even on the team. So, you know, I don't know. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to find an in exactly what you said, Matt. We're going to have to find one of those big three. Somebody's going to have to cave. But I, I, but what you guys said before, I do in my heart of hearts, I do believe that they've at least seen the account before. Oh, they definitely have. Kevin Durant absolutely has. James Harden does a chance. Kyrie, not too mm. sure because he's know. not too active on Twitter. He's more of an Instagram guy and, you know, we, we know the type of stuff he posts on Instagram. If that makes him happy, that makes him happy. But um, another um, looking at your like season posts and whatever, another one like this is so simple, but for some reason just cracked me up. Like it was against the Houston Rockets. So like, you know, it's pretty easy. Sandy's Rockets, an easy candidate to get a video uh, shared on Twitter for that. But um it was just so the whole episode was so funny to me because it was SpongeBob and Patrick just being fools on Sandy's airplane and thinking that they can just ride that to the moon. Like it's funny how you just use that um, video of Patrick hitting the button where it launches the rocket up. Like that's just like it's a give me. It's like a give me or whatever. It, but it like it's a give me for sure. But it's it's effective and it's funny. Like I got to give you props for going through with that one because it's just like little scenes from spongebob that like you know make a difference in terms of content creation anywhere really but especially for uh nets basketball but um do we have any spongebob uh character comparisons to nets players perhaps that you want to perhaps take a shot at i mean that's a good one you know i've definitely gotten this before i remember um this was big when when i had like the marvel day where i did all the marvel stuff 
uh, and everyone was trying to like compare who was, you know, who was what superhero, but SpongeBob, that's a good one. You know, I would say hmm, right off the bat, I feel like, I feel like Katie has to be Squidward, right? Yes. Because of like the height and, you know, just sort of like, you know, his general, like, you know, demeanor. I feel like Katie has to be, has to be Squidward, you know, is uh Harden. I'm trying to think who would Harden be? You know, I I don't want to say Patrick because Patrick's like stupid and Harden is one of the most intelligent, you know, basketball minds of all time. But I just feel like he sort of fits like this mold of just like, you know, I don't know. It's, it's tough, man. It's tough. Mm, I feel like Kyrie, I feel like Kyrie is SpongeBob. Yes, I think so because too. Because I feel like in all of this, I feel like Kyrie is the main character. You know, I feel like this is Kyrie's team. Kyrie brought everybody here to Brooklyn. You know, we're going to do or die with him. So I feel like Kyrie is SpongeBob. He's the main guy. You know, Mr. Krabs, you know, I feel like Mr. Krabs, you know, maybe Mr. Krabs is Sean Marks, you know, the guy who's, you know, sort of running the operation, the guy who's, you know, the money guy, you know, maybe not doesn't always get along with the players, but I feel like there's a mutual respect there always, you know, so that would be, I would say that would be the most obvious guys off the bat, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe James Johnson is, uh, I'm trying to think. Maybe James Johnson is uh, Sandy, you know, because they're both big into karate guys, you know. I could see that. Yeah. I would say mine. You know, I agree with you with Squidward being Kevin Durant, um, SpongeBob being Kyrie, and Sean Marks and Mr. Krabs. It's a pretty good comparison, you know, and James Johnson and Sandy, good comparison as well. But something I was thinking is that Blake Griffin is Larry the Lobster. Oh, yes, absolutely. Fantastic, fantastic call out. Definitely. That's a great one. Because, like, Blake is just seems like this, you know, guy that's like, you know, that would attract attention anywhere. Like, any room he steps into, and people would be like, kind of, you know, you know, like, um, wanting to talk to him. Like, they'd like, you know, he'd be the center of everyone's attention, is what I'm trying to say here. And, like, he's got that personality to attract that, you know. And, you know, I think, uh, with his, uh, Ability to do stand-up comedy and like just the overall vibes he gives off, just like being, you know, kind of goofy in his own right. Like I think that would just attract a lot of attention. I think he also just has like, um, you know, the physique to be like a Larry the Lobster kind of guy. You know, yeah. both muscular guys, tall. You know, I think Blake Griffin's the perfect Larry the Lobster. No, definitely. And I, I was at that game too. I was in the. I was at that playoff game where Blake Griffin just completely went off. Uh, so that was really fun to see. And uh, listen, that's a great comparison. Blake's such a funny guy too. And I feel like he's definitely like, I feel like Larry the Lobster, he's a little bit under the radar with this team, you know, given the fact it's crazy to even say that, given the fact of how big of a superstar he was. Uh, like I was going back, I don't know, maybe this is just like a weird thing that I do, but I was going back, I was watching old NBA commercials, like from like, you know, the early 2010s, just because like, I like to see like, you know, oh, who's like the main focus of this commercial. You know, and if that guy ended up being like a superstar or not, but I can't tell you how many commercials the NBA was putting out for Christmas or for the playoffs or stuff where the main focus was Blake Griffin. Like they really wanted to make this dude the face of the league. And I feel like for the Clippers, he definitely was in that conversation. So it's just crazy that we kind of have this guy on our team who, you know, is, is going to be very, is going to 
play some very important minutes for us, you know, but he's going to have, a, I would say, a much more reduced role than we would think. But it's just kind of crazy to think about all the names that we have and then include Blake Griffin in that and who Blake Griffin once was, you know. Yeah, I have one more and I don't know. I want to get your guys opinion. I'd say DeAndre Jordan, maybe the computer wife, Karen. He's not involved in the action a lot. He he kind of just feels like he has to give his opinion on things and let everybody else kind of handle it. <laughs> no, I think he's honestly Patrick DeAndre Jordan because, you know, he's like buddies with uh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie, you know, and That's true. obviously – Obviously, Sponge uh, Squidward doesn't like SpongeBob very much, at least on the surface of things. I think Squidward has a very soft spot for SpongeBob that he'll never admit that he has. You know, it's come out a few times. Uh, you know, if you watch SpongeBob as in depth as we do, but um, you know, like I just think that that dynamic with DeAndre Jordan and um, you know KD and Kyrie just makes DeAndre Jordan the perfect Patrick. And also, DeAndre Jordan has that charisma. It's not like DeAndre Jordan is stupid, but he just has like that goofy charisma that he can be Patrick. No, I would agree with you. I, I think that's that's a great way to put it. You know, but I could also I could also see Karen just sort of this like you know. Because in a way, I feel like DeAndre Jordan is sort of like the mastermind behind the scenes. You know, he is, you know, keeping everybody together. They tried to trade him in the offseason, and apparently Katie, Kyrie, and Harden were like, absolutely not. So there's something going on there, you know, where DeAndre Jordan maybe is the guy pulling the the strings in this whole operation. That's kind of where I'm coming from, where it's like (laughs) she's not in many – well, she's in the episodes, but, like, she's always in the chum bucket, right? She's not – Getting anything, doing anything outside of the restaurant where DeAndre Jordan is, he's always, he's in, he's on the sidelines, but he's never playing like important (laughs) minutes. Well, he was at one point, but later on the season, he wasn't. And it just feels like at this point, he's just a voice. So that's kind of, that's kind of where I, I, I draw the ties. I'm definitely, I'm definitely picking that up for sure. Yeah, it definitely is interesting seeing DeAndre Jordan's like um, chemistry with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving or just with the Nets in general. You can kind of tell that he is a mastermind behind the scenes. He's still very much involved in like whatever the Nets are doing. That's why like um, you hear stuff about DeAndre Jordan being on the move, but hasn't quite happened yet. I think there's a reason for it. Otherwise, I think the Nets would have caught him yesterday or packaged him with their first pick you know first uh first round pick yesterday like if they really want to get rid of deandre jordan so it's interesting but time will tell now as far as like a gary or um uh plankton when it comes to spongebob and the nets wonder who would be some good comparisons for um gary and plankton i was thinking obviously you know as much as we give Kyrie credit for being spongebob i mean Kyrie for a large part, you know, is happy-go-lucky, but there are times where it can be, you know, Kyrie, which um, very much plays into the Plankton role, but um, I'd say maybe Bruce Brown could be more the Plankton, given that he's, like, you know, a smaller guy, but aggressive, you know, not afraid to get into people's skin, and um, Gary, I mean, why don't we just give it up to Nick Claxton, you know, because he's a young guy, everybody loves him, you know, he's like that new guy in the block, you know, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, like he hasn't really speak 
to you know he doesn't really <laughs> speak much. He's more of a guy that just kind of expresses himself through um, nonverbal communication, like Gary. What do you guys think? My my go to for Gary was always Karis Levert for exactly who you just said. I feel like I could count on one hand the times I've heard Karis Levert like speak, but I feel like everybody always loved and respected him just from like you know his actions and what he did. Uh, and I feel like when he left, it was sort of like, you know, the episode when Gary goes missing, you know, everyone was besides themselves. So, you know, I think Claxton is definitely a good replacement for that. But, you know, like, like we were you know talking about, you know, it's, uh, you know, there aren't a ton of, you know, turning key type of matchups. You know, I, I think this Nets team has a ton of unique personalities and a ton of guys who, you know, I, I feel like their, their biggest comparison is themselves, you know. I agree. It's so hard. Like they're so like dynamic and they're so like just intricate that there's never going to be that exact match just because of how, like I said, just the difference in personalities on the Nets roster is. And again, like the alchemist and recalling Nick Claxton, Gary, and it's like, (laughs) is it, is it the right fit? Maybe, but I mean, somebody has to be Gary, right? It's it's one of the main characters, you know. It's his, you know, he's got a big role in the show. So I don't know. It's it's interesting though, but that's what makes it great, right? Is that there's SpongeBob is such a dynamic show, and the Nets are such a dynamic show that they're on the basketball court that it just makes perfect sense that there's going to be so many like clips or references that throughout the season just perfectly correlate uh, to a SpongeBob episode. So it's interesting to see. And it's fun. It's funny to watch just because it feels like we've seen this movie before and we have, and it's like, now you can kind of tie the two worlds together, but it's interesting to see the takes. Yeah. I, not I, for sure. I honestly, um, we can't honestly uh, end this conversation without coming up with a comparison for Steve Nash. Who's, Who's Steve Nash's SpongeBob comparison? I mean, I feel this like is- when when I think of Steve Nash, I kind of want to like say SpongeBob, you know, even though we already give that to Kyrie, because I feel like Steve Nash is very like, you know, happy go lucky, and I feel like he's, you know, gives off a lot of like that main character energy. I don't know. That's a good one though, Steve Nash. That's a that's a good one. I don't know. Larry's already taken. What about like Mrs. Puff for Steve Nash? Just being that teacher, you can give out instructions, but there's no guarantee that any of them are ever going to listen to it. I feel like that could be a good, <laughs> a good tie in there. No, I feel, I feel like that's definitely a good one. And then you have Kyrie and SpongeBob just like crashing the car. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. Like, yeah, with Kyrie's absence, I'm sure that was equivalent to SpongeBob um, crashing a car. I think that very much was a thorn on Steve Nash's side at that point in time. So um, I could very much see that comparison. But one thing I would say Steve Nash differs from Mrs. Puff is that Steve Nash is not a paranoid freaking person like Mrs. Puff is. And, you know, yeah, like he's not going to like lose his mind over little things. Whereas Mrs. Puff has actual nightmares about like teaching SpongeBob and actually like prefers to be in jail over teaching SpongeBob again. I don't think that is true. I don't <laughs> think Steve Nash and Kyrie are quite at that level. Well, before we finish up, I do want to, from a regular fans perspective or uh, just being a basketball per- person, 
uh, analysts, what kind of will you, you feel like the Nets can do this year? Like what happens, say, we all know the expectation is a championship, right? But what happens if they get to the finals, they lose to the Lakers or they lose Bucks in the conference final. Um, what do we kind of think is is going to be the outcome of now before we sign off, I do want to get your thoughts, Will, on like the Nets and the season coming up, being just from a basketball fan perspective. Um, we all know the expectations are a championship, but let's say, you know, that doesn't happen. They lose in the finals or lose in the conference finals and they're fully healthy. Like, how do you see the direction of the Nets team? Let's play worst case scenario, right? Where they come up short. Like, what's going to happen? We know Durant's here, but could you see major changes coming potentially if the Nets again fall short of a, of a title here in 2022? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's tough, right? Because you say to yourself, where are those major changes coming from? You know, I, I, I don't think they're trading Kevin Durant anytime soon. You know, I think the, the, the team, the, the, the franchise has looks at him as a guy who almost like it's disrespectful to trade him, you know? And I think the same goes for Kyrie and, you know, I think same sense it goes for Kyrie. And, and I think the same goes for Harden. So, you know, I, I think it's a very good sign that Durant signed his extension you know, I think that's why we really sort of had a uh, sort of a weird offseason. You know, I think everyone sort of expected us to, you know, trade for somebody or, you know, or, or use Dimwitty's exception or, you know, or sign and trade, you know, whoever. Um, so I think, you know, I think it was all about just re-signing those three guys. And I think the issue that that puts us in is it kind of, you know, we're kind of stuck with that. So if those three guys aren't good enough to win us a championship we're not winning a championship and now I personally believe that they are good enough to win us a championship I mean we were we were playing with the Milwaukee Bucks you know we were just out there just shooting around with the Milwaukee Bucks until uh Kyrie got hurt and that was after by the way that was after Harden got hurt Harden gets hurt in game one game two we're out there with just KD and Kyrie and we're just, you know, we're just playing with our food basically at that point. We're just waiting for, you know, four games to be over. But, you know, obviously, of course, it doesn't happen that way. And our biggest, I think our biggest issue was health, which is a good thing and a bad thing because you can't control health. You can't work, you know, harder or practice health. But at the same time, I do believe that, you know, besides maybe the Lakers, but the Lakers I still have questions about. I still do think that the Nets should be the best team in the league. And I think that when they were fully healthy in the playoffs, you know, I think the whole thing about last season was, you know, there were times last season where we rested guys or we played a certain way and we lost games. And I was like, we are basically not even being shy about the fact that we are only caring about playoffs. And to me, that sort of, that put a bad taste in my mouth because, you know, maybe like I'm old school and, you know, this is the first time the Nets in my lifetime have been a super team or who have had players even close to this caliber. So I'm like, maybe this is just how it is. But my whole thing is you go out there, you play 82 games. If you go 82 and 0, great. That should be the goal to go 82 and 0, you know, and then, and then playoffs happen and playoffs happen. But I just feel like there were nights where we were like, you know, whatever, it's fine. It's not the playoffs. We'll, we'll play to the playoffs. But the way that we played in the playoffs, 
I was like, all right, like if this is going to be the performances that we get in the playoffs, then fine. Then, then you can take a couple of nights off. You can, you know, F around in the regular season if you want to for a month or two. So I don't know, but it's, it's all about health. All, all me saying this is basically just a, a complex way for me to say it's, it's going to be all about health. And, you know, to answer your question, what happens if we don't win a championship? You know, I think the only tradable pieces that we have left are DeAndre Jordan, which I don't think, number one, I don't think we would get anything for him if we moved. And I think the, and then the only other one is Joe Harris. And then, and then this Dinwiddie trade exception. So I don't know. I think we're very much, we're very limited in what we can do. I think it, you know, it has to be these three guys. And I, you know, I agree with what you guys said in the beginning of the show, which was, I think the Jeff Green loss is going to hurt us big time because there were games where Jeff Green won us those games. And he played a very vital role on this team, which was this, you know, sort of post defender that could space the floor. And I don't know, you know, unless we're going to really rely on Blake Griffin, but I thought Jeff Green was a much better, more reliable shooter than Blake Griffin. You know, I, I think, you know, I, I just don't know where that's going to come from. I think signing Patty Mills was good. Signing Patty Mills was a need, you know, especially with the health concerns going forward. And I think he's just a smart, intelligent, good shooter to have. That at the end of the day, unless, you know, if we're not clearly number one in the East, I think we got to move, you know, like a Joe Harris. And I hate to say that because I love Joe Harris, but you know, you got to imagine that after this year, Bruce Brown is gone. You know, we already lost Jeff green cam Thomas. I feel like can be our scoring punch off the bench. Patty Mills is our shooter, you know, and Joe Harris, I feel like is just Joe Harris is good. I think he's, you know, when he's hot, he's the best three point shooter in the league, you know, consistency wise. I mean, I think this is what, like his third season in a row shooting around like 50% from three, which is insane. But, you know, I don't know. I, I just don't, I would much rather have, if, if there's still questions, if there isn't, if we aren't making it work, if, you know, if we aren't a well-oiled machine, I think I would much rather have, you know, someone that can, is a more traditional four and a more traditional five. Yeah. One name that I'm going to throw out there that I think would have a lot of trade value is Nick Claxton. Like he's young. Yeah. He's got a lot of teams I think would be interested in him. Um, we saw in the playoffs last year, like Durant said it, like we want veteran guys, guys that have been around for a long time. And, you know, yeah, you hate to lose Clax, but you also hated to lose Jared Allen and Karis Levert. And it's like, if it comes down to it, you could trade Nick Claxton. So I feel like that's, that's the biggest name on the Nets roster, I think at the deadline this year, you have to look out. That could be the big move that they make. That's true. You know, and, and that's a good point. I wasn't even thinking about Claxton, but you're right. You know, Claxton, I feel like he underperformed in the playoffs, you know, against a Boston team that I think their biggest guy was who Robert Williams, you know, Robert Williams was getting like 20 rebounds a night. Oh, like against, you know, our centers and Blake Griffin and Claxton, like people don't remember, like we won that series pretty, I think it was a gentleman sweep like pretty easily. But like Robert Williams was killing us down low, which like if you're Nicholas Claxton, if, if you're if your mentality is this is a kid that's going to be our center for the future. I know Jared Allen had similar problems, so maybe it's a, you know, a similar arc that they're following. But, you know, I don't know, man, that, that which is, it just wasn't a good look. And you're right, Matt. You know, I think 
I think they are the vets. The big three is going to go for more veteran guys if they can. It's just a matter of who's available. Yeah, absolutely. I think also Cam Thomas could be in a trade like at the deadline or something if a younger team is looking to give Cam Thomas an opportunity to shine and that uh, other team has like a vet that can come in and help immediately. Like you look at the Kings, like Tristan Thompson could uh, become available now that he's in Sacramento and the Nets could use him like as a rebounder, rim protector or whatever. That's just one name. Like there's going to be other vets out there, you know, big men that can help or forward that can help defend out on the wings. You know, that's what the Nets need. But we'll also like that you mentioned that, you know, you want to see a team play like throughout the entire regular season rather than just like nine games between the big three and then like come playoff time, they just all stay healthy and they go off from there. Like it doesn't give fans a chance to really emotionally invest themselves into the team as a collective group. Like, you know, we didn't see enough regular season games of them just dominating teams and really like um, enjoying the big three together out there as a collective group. It was always like during the regular season, it always felt, okay, the playoffs are coming. You know, we're kind of delaying our gratification. Like the playoffs are coming, you know, they'll be healthy then. And then they'll go off from them. That's not guaranteed either because injuries can carry into the postseason. So I just think that the more ideal scenario would be to have the players healthy for most of the season. Now they can take off games here and there because, you know, 82 games is a long season and, you know, it's hard to play all 82 games at full capacity, especially, um, you know, uh, when uh, you have back to backs, when you got to consider and uh, road trips, long road trips that you have to consider, you know, so off days here, and there, you know, even if it's just to treat a minor injury, you know, is um is okay as long as they can uh, bring it when it counts most. But we do need to see more than nine games of the big three um, in the regular season in order for a championship to kind of feel real. Because the thing about Milwaukee, I feel like that kind of felt real to them, is that Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and obviously Giannis Antetokounmpo all played more than nine games together out there as a collective group. They were building that chemistry, you know, and you saw moments and you know, little stuff like fans that probably picked up on watching games on the broadcast and whatever. You see these little things and these storylines start to develop and kind of makes the championship feel that much sweeter. I think that was missing from the Nets last year and hopefully it carries into next year. I think the schedule was like the biggest, like condensed season, 72 games, everything is so close together. Harden was out of shape with the Rockets and came to the Nets, So he was trying to work himself into shape. Durant was coming off an Achilles injury. Kyrie missed, hadn't played since March, right? Cause the shoulder impingement. So it was like all these guys are either coming back for injury or trying to get work themselves into shape in a condensed season that really kind of made it difficult. But now Harden's here. He's got a full off season to work out and get back into shape. Durant, he played last year coming off 48 minute games, 53 minute games in the postseason. He's got his legs under him and same with Kyrie. So I, and now it won't be a condensed season. So I think everything was kind of rushed and felt like that's why they were taking the regular season off and just hope that it worked in the playoffs and talent prevailed. But ultimately it was injuries that did. But I think this year that's kind of in the Nets favor at this point. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it is all going to come down to being healthy. And, you know, it's funny, like you talk about Giannis and like, I remember, uh, 
playing Giannis in the second round. I just remember looking at that guy and being like, I'm just not impressed with this guy. I just like, wasn't, you know, and like, obviously like, you know, I wanted him to lose. And a lot of it was, you know, bias and just, you know, maybe some smack talk, but I just looked at him and especially the way that, you know, we played him. And I was like, if you're a two-time MVP, a defensive player of the year, how are you letting Blake Griffin, like, you know, lock you up right now? You know, how are you letting Blake Griffin on one knee just completely take you out of your comfort zone and, you know, missing all the free throws and stuff, but, you know, credit to him he just turned it on in the NBA finals. Like he was just a different guy. And if that is now the Giannis that we're going to be seeing, you know, from, for an entire season, then, you know, we have our work cut out for us because that was a, that was an unrecognizable Giannis. And it's funny too, because I don't know about you guys, but this was like the first NBA finals that I didn't watch. And I think it was because, you know, uh, I think it was because we were so close to being in it. And I just couldn't stomach watching the Bucks in in the finals. And I, I just, I genuinely, I, I just didn't watch it. You know, I watched, I watched game six, right, in Milwaukee where they won. Because uh, I was like, all right, like, I'll watch this. But I don't know. I, and then I, you're watching Giannis and watching the highlights and stuff. I was like, wow, he, he's just completely unrecognizable yeah. from round two. So it felt like, yeah, it felt like after those first two games, like DeAndre Ayton, was doing a really good job and the Suns went up 2-0. And then I don't know, he kind of just felt like he figured it out. And, and then they went on to win those next four games. That was the matchup, right? I mean, it's the MVP of the league in Giannis, right? So that's the focal point. But I thought Aiton was great those first two games. And then Giannis just kind of took over. So I feel like that was this, I don't know what it was, but you're right. Like a switch was flipped in game three. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. No, yeah, we saw like a completely like, brand new Giannis like the best Giannis I've ever seen in the finals I just think that he is tired of hearing all the narratives around him that he's not the true MVP can't be the best player on a team you know so on and so forth so I'm sure um he just kind of got all that motivation inside of him and just like went off in the finals and kind of went out there to prove that he's like arguably the best player in the league you know so I think uh he was on a mission very much in those finals. But when you mentioned that you didn't watch the NBA finals this year, I actually watched every minute basically of every game. It was the most exciting finals I've seen in a long time. You know, 2019 was pretty exciting, you know, Warriors, Raptors, but we we're also getting sick of seeing the Warriors in the finals yeah. every year. You know, we want to change, you know, but um, it was just a refreshing um kind of change like you know seeing two small market teams you know teams that weren't picked to go to the finals that year end up in the finals you know so that you know definitely piqued my interest and also um i think i kind of gave like the conference finals rounds my break from basketball mm, because right. i was just so upset at seeing the nets lose and i was just like yeah not really watching basketball right now what is basketball but then Eventually got over it, and then I'm like, you know, I want to see the finals because this is, like, something new. And we were rewarded with um, one of the best finals performances of all time by any player. Yeah. You even mentioned the uh, the Lakers Heat bubble finals. I guess that really did not get your, your... – Not really. Not at all. We all knew that the Lakers were going to win. That, to me, though, I watched that because I feel like it was the only one on. It was the only uh, thing on. No, I watched it, but – I, I was like, like, I was like the opposite of you, Samir. Like I watched, like, so we lost to Milwaukee in such like a devastating fashion, you know, and 
I'm like, and then I'm like, all right, I'm like, I'm like kick your ass, Trey Young. Like I was like big into the Eastern Conference Finals. I was like, let's go Hawks. And then they beat the Hawks, and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like, See, I, I can't. Do if this. the Hawks had Vince Carter still, then I would have been all in on the Hawks, oh, and I yeah, would have watched yeah. that that finals. But they were a year too late in making that Eastern Conference Finals run. Let's let's just say it how it I is. Also, I also personally, I really don't like Chris Paul. So I feel like this. I really like. I wanted both teams to lose somehow. So I was just like, I can't, like, I can't do this. <laughs> I agree. You know? I think Chris, Chris Paul talks a lot. I'll say that. Yeah, he does. He, <laughs> I, oh, he does. I just don't like. I, I always joke around with my friends, like, you know, like Doris Burke is always like, oh, the leadership of Chris Paul, and I'm like, like, besides the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Rockets don't like him. The Clippers don't like him. Like, where is this leadership? You yeah, know? right. Like he's he's such a leader. Don't ask anybody though on the Clippers, on the Hornets, on the Rockets. You know, it's just oh that all the nineteen year olds he was playing with in OKC love him, and then Phoenix, <laughs> I guess. You know, I don't know. I, I could go. I, we could make a whole other podcast about Chris Paul, but yeah. And the leadership you know. and the leadership gave Devin Booker forty point games too, which, which right exactly yeah. <laughs> Good. It was all Chris Paul. It was all just yep. setting him up. You know, it was just amazing that Chris Paul carried the Suns to the finals. You know, it was yeah. only Chris Paul. You know, no Devin Booker, no DeAndre Aiden, no Mikael Bridges, no anybody else on the suns <laughs> but uh will before uh we wrap things up here my man like want to get like a little bit more of your nets background who's your favorite player of all time how'd you become a fan and like win you know it's funny so i sort of you know i'm not the jersey you know ride or die like oh like you know growing up with jason kidd and vince carter you know for me in my house, you know, I was sort of indoctrinated to the Giants and the Yankees, right? So that wasn't really a choice to me. Like, you know, in the in the fall, the winter, the Giants were on, and then the spring and the summer was the Yankees. So basketball wasn't really on. Uh, so when I got to like middle middle school and junior high, everybody was sort of talking about basketball. And at the time, that was you know LeBron in Miami, and they just lost to Dirk, and so you know the NBA was just sort of crazy, and everybody was talking about it. And I was just like basically sitting on the bus and at the lunch table, like. I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. So, you know, I was like, all right, I better start watching this because then otherwise I'm going to have to find new people to sit with because I have no idea what these people are talking about. (laughs) And so then around the time of that, the Nets were sort of rumored to move to uh, Brooklyn. And I was like, all right, like, you know, I maybe, I don't know. I really didn't want to be a Knicks fan because all my friends were Knicks fans and they all (laughs) just talk about how the Knicks suck and I was like, I don't even want to get in. Like, I don't even want to touch that with a 10 foot pole, you know? Uh, so I was just kind of like, all right, like, you know, I don't know. And then I just sort of just got into it. I just sort of like just, just started to watch basketball and learn about it. And I actually really like as a kid, I really loved Russell Westbrook and the Thunder. Um, I just thought that was just such like a cool team, which funny enough, like half of them were now on the nets uh, besides Westbrook. But Westbrook was my favorite player growing up. Uh and then the Nets moved to Brooklyn and they just sort of branded it as like, this is, you know, we're New York's new team. And that just, that branding, I guess, really just hit for me because I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm a fan in New York without really a team. So, all right, so I'm in. And so I've just sort of been with them since Brooklyn. And uh, to answer your other question, my favorite player of all time, you know, I feel like growing up or when I say growing up, I mean, like it was always Brooke Lopez, I feel like, but I think, I think it's Spencer Dinwiddie. I think it, it's become Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, I think what the Brooklyn Nets organization, what that means, 
has changed so drastically from Brooke Lopez's time to now. And, you know, really just like the Sean Marks era, you know, if I could have a favorite member of the organization, it's probably Sean Marks. But uh, I, I just think Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, in my opinion, I think he really is like, he's like the first Brooklyn net. Like he was someone that, you know, was waived by the Bulls twice, waived by the Pistons, you know, couldn't really find a home. And then we take a chance on him. He just blossoms into this, you know, I mean, what did he get from Washington? Was it like over a hundred million dollars or something like that? Or like 80 million. Um, so like I like 60, I just, 60. Okay. There you go. So I think, you know, the, this, just seeing Spencer Dinwiddie sort of just growth and, you know, even like, you know, the fun stuff, like the game in Houston and then like the ugly stuff, like these stupid shots that he would take, but then, you know, <laughs> would be benched, you know, with the last five minutes and everyone would look at Kenny, like what the hell are you doing? And, and then would he take like sidestep, like fadeaway threes, you know, but <laughs> yeah. I just loved it. I, I love the fan interactions that he had, like when he was giving away all the tickets, whoever bought his jerseys, um, you know, and just how candid he was, you know, like how he went on that whole crusade, how the Nets don't get calls, they don't have any superstars. And then, you know, so I just thought he was one of like the first guys who really enjoyed being a net, you know, and I feel like we had such that we had that long stretch of guys like, you know, I love Joe Johnson and but guys sort of that era and I'm not including Joe Johnson, I'm just sort of using him as a timestamp, you know, guys who maybe were on the Nets. But, you know, like they didn't even live in Brooklyn or, you know, whatever. Like I remember when Thaddeus Young bought an apartment in Brooklyn, it was like front page news on Nets Twitter. It was like, oh, finally, <laughs> somebody like enjoys being here. But I feel like Dinwiddie was like, no, like this is my team. Like, you know, I'm a Brooklyn Net and like I'm happy and I'm proud of that. Yeah, Darren. Yeah, I'll never forget, I'll <laughs> never forget that, when, uh, when we cut Yogi Ferrell in honor of Spencer to sign <laughs> Spencer Dinwiddie. And I was like. What are we doing? Like I was Yogi like, this is a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are, what, five years later. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I remember. I remember that vividly. I remember being pissed that we chose Yogi. Uh, that we that we chose Spencer Dinwiddie over Yogi. And I was getting clowned on by other people, not by non-net fans. Saying you got you guys let Yogi Ferrell go in favor of Spencer Dinwiddie. They're like, what are you thinking? But um, to your point as well, with um, players not want to be in Brooklyn, you know. Darren Williams never wanted to be in Brooklyn. He no. he picked the money for Brooklyn. He wanted to be in Dallas. And I don't blame him. You know, that's his hometown. But if you sign that big contract with Brooklyn, you got to be a Brooklyn net, not a Dallas Maverick. <laughs> that That's why I really appreciate, too, like the guys that we have now, like Harden at his birthday party had all Nets stuff there. Kyrie's always like wearing the shorts. KD was like the whole Nets world thing. So like those guys, like, listen, I was going to be ecstatic that those guys were on the team regardless. But the fact that they're really like, you know, embracing the colors and the franchise and like, you know, you can just tell how proud they are to be part of the organization from somebody who, like you said, came from Darren Williams and, you know, especially Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, who were, you know, would sit there at Nets press conferences and talk about how good it was to be on the Celtics. Yeah, right. It was just such like that just left such a bad taste in my mouth. And I just feel like we were kind of just like as a Nets fan base, like, you know, whatever. You know, and, and then getting D'Lo back, you know, and then having D'Lo show up to the, the G League games, you know, wearing the Long Island Nets colors, you know, Theo Pinson and all that. And and Dudley, I just feel like that just completely just gave the franchise new life. And to see Duran and Kyrie and Harden sort of carry that on has been really cool. But I, I really think a lot of that has to do with Dinwiddie. 
Well said, Will. Really love how you just like brought up how the Nets back then, like Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, weren't necessarily uh, all in on Brooklyn, but then it started to turn when D'Angelo Russell came and now Kyrie, you know, and the current day Nets are embracing the Nets culture. That's a very good point you brought up. That's very much why I'm happy to have Kyrie here because it's not often you'll find a superstar that's uh grew up a Nets fan, you know, it's just not common. Even if a Nets, uh, I mean, if a superstar player grew up in New Jersey or New York, they're going to be Knicks fans most of the time because that's just the more popular team. So it's rare to find a Nets fan. I'm glad Kyrie, you know, kind of fits that description of being a Nets fan born, uh, not born in Jersey, you know, born in Australia, but raised in Jersey, you know, and embracing the tri-state area, embracing Nets history, talking about the New Jersey days. Very much on board with that. Very much love that. And I'm excited to see the big three and everybody else on the Nets kind of just embrace uh, Nets world. But, um, Will, we want to thank you so much for joining us today, my man. You know, um, keep up with uh, creating content for your Nets as depicted as SpongeBob page. You know, um, you got if for my listeners, you got to give him a follow like you know even if you're not that big at spongebob it's at nets depiction you know you gotta give it a follow immediately you know you'll be cracking up at some of the jokes he makes you know go on out there you know give it a follow like retweet everything that comes uh your way from his account you won't regret it you know but um for our listeners you know you're more than welcome to hop on anytime you want to talk nets basketball you know um We'd love to have you on, you know, if there's any questions you'd like us to address, you can come on, discuss that with us or just DM us uh, on Twitter. You know, you can find me at S underscore Kumar two and Drex. I'm at Matthew Drexler three. And you can find us at scary hours pod on Twitter, you know, so you can always reach out uh, to any one of us, you know, and um, we'd love to have you on and address your questions. You know, Um, we want to make this very much a, community community based podcast you know because nets world encompasses all nets fans and uh people that are passionate about their nets basketball whether it be from the brooklyn new jersey days you know doesn't start with us doesn't end with us so we'd love to have you on and uh just you know where to find us if you want to talk nets basketball you know want to thank you once again for taking the time out to listen